Are you a small business owner taking huge leaps? Welcome to the Fresh Take Podcast, where fresh perspectives on entrepreneurship inspire new ideas, provide support, and harness the power of the small biz community. With your hosts, Lisa Greer and Stacy Kazmier. How are you, madam? I'm fantastic. I'm coffeeed up and ready to question you on things small business, Lisa Greer. Awesome. Have you had an experience lately where you realize and recognize that you may be using too much jargon with your clients and they're not understanding what you have to say? I had this, I had this poor gal. She finally had to tell me, Lisa, I understand you understand webinar production and you understand what this means. <laughs> But you're going to have to talk in English to me <laughs> because what you're saying doesn't make any sense. Oh, bless her. Did you so I, 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 Were you like, this is what this means? Did you break it down? Yeah, I realized that I needed to do a little bit of educating for my clients in the sense of we're all on Facebook nowadays. Mm-hmm. We're all on, you know, these different platforms. And it doesn't matter what age group I've noticed, you know, across the board, everybody's been a lot more tech savvy in the last few years. And I think that because people work online, at least my clients, I just assumed, right, which was my first problem, never assume, as they say, right, right. Um, because since they were in the digital space, I just assumed that they understood not only what a webinar was, but the process the of process and how it was run I'm, and how it was, if there's going to be was, client interaction on the webinar, was it going to be pre-recorded or was it going to be broadcasted, right? And even the, well, but more than that, it was about tasks even involved, mm-hmm. I kind of realized I wasn't even taking some time to fully explain my processes, kind of took advantage of the fact that I can roll these things out, you know, in my sleep. But here's a question and for you. Do you not educate your clients on certain aspects of your process because it doesn't involve them? Does that That's a fair question. No, the parts that don't involve them, I don't burden them with. Uh, but I do try to highlight a little bit about what we're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. But I was just thinking that the overview was enough. And and what I'm talking about now is, so we were diving into, and I'll just give you the example. We were diving into webinar production, and one of the tasks was we needed to come up with um, the, what I call the system emails that go out, you know, once you register and once you, you know, the, the morning of your webinar and a reminder and and then the post, you know, email nurturing sequence. And mm-hmm. so all of well, these that right things, there, that's a great nurturing sequence. What does that mean? They may not know, mean, right? Exactly. They may not know what that means. And also, it's not just explaining to them what it means. And this was where I found it weird, too, is because I thought, how do I explain it where I don't sound condescending or where I don't sound like I'm like they wouldn't know already. That's right. So I had to think about I had to think about how best to explain my process in such a way that I'm educating them. And giving them a heads up, hey, this is what we're going to be doing. It's what the goal is. The objective is this. And this is how we can achieve it. Now let's get to work and get it done. And not be like, uh, this is what it is. And you are a dodo head for not knowing already. And You know what I mean? Like, So, I, uh, yeah, it took a little bit of thought on um, how to properly convey that. Because I didn't want to upset, insult. And yet still keep everybody on the same pace. And some, you know, I've got a a wide variety of clients in the sense of how much they know and don't know and also how much involvement Mm -hmm. they have. Mm -hmm. So you have some clients that are gangbusters. They're in it. They want to know all the moving parts. They don't necessarily even want to do all the moving parts, but they want to know about what's being done because they want to be on top of the pulse of their business. 
Other ones are just like, set it and forget it. Like, I hired you, you take care of it. Right. I'm trusting you to get it done, right? So striking that balance, and, and that's where the intake process and the onboarding process, for me, has undergone a complete overhaul, has made me reexamine and actually realize how um, I've avoided a really great opportunity and or maybe not avoided is not the right word. Maybe I just overlooked it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going back through and zeroing in on that onboarding process. And literally for every single thing that we do, making sure that I not only have a what I call a support system in place that's sort of on an autopilot measure, uh, but that I can also allow the client to work through their tasks in a fluid manner and it doesn't hold anybody up. There's no bottlenecking. Everybody's on the same page. So, so do you have way. a point in your intake process or a point when you're having that very first interaction with a client, whether that's email or on the phone or on a video chat, video conference, that you sort of have a switch? Like I, I see them, I have like a train switch of, okay, they want to be involved this way, so I'm going to do, I need to take that path. Or they don't want to be involved, but they need to understand these terms and these deadlines, so I'm going to take that path. Do you have like a rating, I guess a rating system, for your clients of involvement, and when do you implement that rating? Right. Okay. So I'm just going to share my a little bit of my onboarding process in the sense of getting everybody up to speed quickly. Yeah. So this is for not packages, not set projects. In other words, those you have a very much a beginning and an end. But this is more in the implementation realm of things where, hey, I'm going to buy a bulk number of hours from you and I we just need to get to work on a bunch of stuff, okay? So to get up to speed quickly, I have them fill out what I call an overall action planner. Simple, like spreadsheet. And you go in there and you do, I ask the client to do a complete mind dump. And they literally, again, dump. It's like dumping all your Legos onto the table. Or just cleaning all out all the cobwebs. Like she was cleaning out all of the sweeping yeah. out, I should say, sweeping out. Because I know that a lot of us as entrepreneurs, that's the one thing we have is a ton of ideas, a ton of things going on. And then, and it's not just, and I tell them, don't just put the stuff that you think is relating to you and me in terms of our projects. Use this opportunity to literally dump all your Legos on the table. I don't care what it is. I don't care if you have to hire a housekeeper or you got to go pick up dry cleaning or, you know, your taxes are due this quarter. I want you to put everything out on top of all your project ideas, everything. And then the second part is what I call the sorting. So you're going to sort all of these Legos. So you have different colors, different shapes on the table, right? Different types of projects, different types of tasks. So the first part is to sort them with the same color is what I like to explain it as, right? So the first color, like the reds will go here, the blues will go there. And better stated, all the things relating to, for example, bookkeeping or finance of any kind would go in one pile. Anything relating to new projects, new courses, new like items you want to create go in another pile. And so you, you do those big category piles. You, you make them, quote unquote, you sort them out. And then the third part is you go into each pile then, and then you're going to organize the shapes. So you're in the piles of reds, right? So maybe you're in the, the new courses and the programs and you've got all these tasks for different things. So you're going to chart them out in which ones do you want to get done first? Which ones, you know, which tasks are relating to which ones? And then after that, you go through and you can delegate who handles what. Mm-hmm. So that whole process, I call it producing your vision, but 
really and truly, it's just a matter of organizing everything that you've got going on in your company, just getting it all dumped out, sorted, organized, and then you can delegate effectively. When I'm working with a client, I have them do just phase one. All they're responsible for is dumping all the Legos on the table. And then you organize and prioritize and Lisa Greer. I have. I Lisa Greer, exactly. <laughs> I just go in because I can tell, you know, from a task now what goes with what. So it's not like it's hard for me. There are some clients, they're so funny because when they start to do the dumping process, they automatically have an intuitive, you know, just getting it out yeah. feels so good. It feels like this big weight's off your shoulder and they just start sorting right away. You know, they just kind of do some of it themselves. But then we're able to look at which projects they want to tackle first. Then those get moved into our project management tool, which is Trello. Mm-hmm. For me anyways, and, and Google Drive with our, you know, it's just, that's kind of like, that process helps the client get me up to speed while allowing them some white space, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. So it's a win-win. It allows me to get completely up to speed with where they're at in their business and help them see where we can like troubleshoot some areas that might be needing troubleshooting. Right. All the while working on their projects. Right? And don't so, you think it sort of educates them on how you work in your process because then they're learning I'm giving the information, Lisa's organizing, acting, all of that producing, right? So you're umbrella producing all of those Lego pieces, and then you feed them into your business. Like you said, you put them in Trello, but you're also able to sort of report back from a project management almost standpoint into them to say, this is what I'm delivering. These are the deadlines I'm going to deliver them by. So by, in a way, they're involved in your process, so you're educating them without sitting them down in the schoolhouse, right? Would you agree? Like, Yeah. And the other part that, like, for example, let's say in their onboarding, they put down, or in their mind dump, rather, they put down, uh, you know, want to release a new course, ABC course, mm-hmm. we'll call it. Mm-hmm. I will then see that, and I flush out all the tasks that might be needed for that. What does that entail? Would you put together the content, the landing page, the email? Like, I'm making all these lists, not just in that document, but then translating that into Trello, and so then that also educates them without saying, oh, you didn't know that this was you know, right, involved. All right. It allows them to see, wow, there's a lot that has to do with this one thing. Because sometimes I think that that's where a disconnect also happens with clients. You know, especially for those who aren't in the digital space, they might not know how long it takes to do something. I remember when I worked with my old boss at the radio station, we had graphic designers, you know, in, in the interactive part and also in the print area. And I remember when there was this big conversation we had one day because he couldn't understand why it took so long to do a, le- a logo. Mm-hmm. Why, why would it take this long to do a logo? Why would it take so long to design this thing? He just sees this end result, even if it's something super simple. In fact, I remember Kayla Rose, she's like a, a graphic designer and, mm-hmm. a, and a web designer. She says this one time. She posted this one time. And I'm like, hey, man, sister. She said... The minimal, the more minimum the design, it's actually harder to come up with that stuff. Like there's time spent, there's thought behind it. There's, you don't have to maybe understand it because it's not your world, but there is a lot of thought that goes into design beyond what you fathom. So to think that it's like, well, it's just a logo or it's just a PDF or it's just this or that is a little bit, you know, unfair. Oh, that's a good way to say it. I think that in in there's what you touched on there just with the graphic design and that there's so much that takes a little bit longer than you realize. The, the Even the intake, client intake form, organizing all those ideas and then 
even the ideas that don't need to be implemented now, like ABC course, but just having a touch base or a touchstone for your client to know, okay, that's what that looks like. It's not just a dream or a goal or a cloud that's out there for a rainy day. It's I need to do this to this. I need to do this A to Z for that ABC course, right? Or what's behind the scenes in a logo? What's behind the scenes in just a newsletter or social media? So I think your process is great in educating your clients. Mine is a little bit different. Mine is written out in my client agreement, which again, we've discussed, but it's very umbrella. It's very, we have a writing session, which I typically do on the phone or on Skype, and we'll take 60 minutes because in writing, I want to hear how you talk. And like Lisa knows about this, I just want to get that voice in my ear. It's not that we're discussing content or strategy. Sometimes we are. Sometimes it's literally just a conversation. So I can hear the vernacular that you're using. I can hear the inflection and what excites you so that I can convey that. So I have sort of take that. That's my raw data, right? I take that in and then I do an outline, send it back to you to make sure we haven't missed anything. Then you send it back to me and I'm fleshing it out. I'm like putting all the meat on the skeleton, then sending it back to you. And you can be like, yeah, that's awesome. Or whoa, that's not where I wanted that meat to go. And then again, I'm getting it back, polishing and sending it back as the final product. That's my strategy. That's my process for, like, again, I just touched on, like website, website copy, newsletters, social media. And the way that I work is specific. It's not for everyone. And it's hard because it's, I'm educating them as we're literally going through the process where you, Lisa, sort of have a, a point of here's how I work, here it is. Not, I don't want to say take it or leave it, but it's sort of at the, it's at the threshold of your business as they're stepping in to work with LisaGreer.com. They get it. Where me, they sort of have to come in. They're at the threshold of my business, but they have to step into the foyer and sort of experience it to understand how I work. That's a tricky thing, and that's caused me some issues, so I do have it outlined again in my client agreement. I know we've touched on this before. Not everybody is reading that. Not everyone's reading it. So We have to talk about the client agreement, and we have to talk about that part of the process because I feel that I know that you have to share your story. So I had a client that um, was very confused on my process. We'd gone over this process. She'd signed my client agreement. This was not the first project she and I had worked together on. We did a lot of writing sessions. And this was not even the largest project we worked together on. So it was the same process I'd already done. We just never literally talked black and white and said, this is how I work and this is what I'm doing. So she assumed that my rough draft was the final copy, which then caused some strife with her. She got very frustrated understandably and overwhelmed and said, this is not what I'm paying for. This is not why we work together. This is just not like you, which obviously personally for me brought up a lot of emotions because this is exactly the same process that she and I had worked countless times before. This is the exact same writing that made her four figures in a weekend that she was super excited about. Yeah. Um, so it was some personal hurt, but also some, I guess, business confusion, for lack of a better um, explanation. So I sort of stepped back from that. I did not respond immediately. Of course, it's over email, which everything seems to be, um, which I'm thankful for to have it in writing. I discussed it with some of my colleagues that I trust. I discussed it with Lisa and said, here's what happened. This is how I reacted. Could you just tell me? It, I think bottom line, I needed an outside point of view. 
And that was so helpful because I see it in my business. I see it from my point of view. It's hard to see how someone else sees it. So I think, number one, that was my takeaway there. And I recommend that if you ever encounter that kind of situation, you do the same. But also, so long story short, what ended up happening was I literally had to write a short and sweet email and said, per my client agreement, paragraph X that you signed on day and date, it does outline this. I don't know exactly how I said it, but I've tried to keep it like five sentences, short and sweet. Um, it does outline my work process. We've also worked on this process before. If you would like to continue working on this project and or with me, this is how we will move forward. If not, I completely understand. And I gave her that out just as it was outlined in the client agreement. There was nothing special that I extended to her that was any different. And I received back a delightful email. She was happy. She was relieved. She had sort of felt that strife. Some things were changing in her business, come to find out, and she did not communicate that with me, which in hindsight for me, I think that's really what caused some of our work issues. Right. Our hiccups and our sort of lack of communication where everything was falling apart, not falling apart, but taking a different turn in her biz. And she was just trying to keep it all together. And it was easy to take it out on this one five hour a month writing session than it was to get everything back on track the way it had been. So um, it was a great conversation. It was very businesslike. We continue to be, I guess, colleagues, right, for back, lack of a better word. And um, yeah. that, But not to say it didn't cause a couple of sleepless nights and make, you know, my stomach hurt. Make you reevaluate. Yeah. Right, make you reevaluate your process a little. It did make me reevaluate my process. I do stress, again, that my work process, my client process, my onboarding process is outlined in my agreement. That's changed how I communicate that and stress that. And also now after someone signs it, I do have a call where we review those points because that's the least I can do. So if I take 30 minutes and review it and they still don't get it, okay, and then you have other issues. But if I don't take right. those 30 minutes, right? If I don't take those 30 minutes, then those problems could continue to crop up and they're just not something that I want to deal with in my business. We had another client, a new one, we're joking about it because we were on our meet and greet session chatting about how she was a skimmer. And I'm a skimmer, so I 1,000% yeah. get it. Totally a skimmer. And if it's not, if it doesn't have some really great subtitles, generally, I mean, unless your opening sentence is really compelling, I'm just going to skim. Well, that you bring up such a good point is, yes, I'm a skimmer, and I'm also... Uh, how do I want to, I want to say like, internet fickle. If there's a video and it's over two minutes, I won't click on it. I don't care how great that title is. You know, that, um, internet video that just went viral, that Chewbacca mom, that was over three yes. minutes. And I didn't watch that until the very end because until like she like really made it because, well, because I kept hearing about it, but also it was over three minutes. I don't, I do not click on that. Like, um, in my client agreement, for example, like Lisa brought up, I do have it very short and to the point. It is two pages. And I have bullet points for each section. And the beginning sentence of the bullet point on my client agreement is in bold. So you know what that paragraph is about. Also, another, I guess this could be sort of a tip if you're writing your own client agreement, is my bullet points on my client agreement are not payment, schedule. They're literally hooks. They're literally little uh, jargon. And I should open it to tell you the latest version. But one is like... Um, 
chicken payment in chickens are so you know 1865 okay that you know it's <laughs> it, right you're going to read it and you're going to remember I think that just like in writing anything else it should be fun to read it should be short it should be as precise and concise as possible well I know that when I read yours I had complete envy <laughs> <laughs> I was like I need I need a fun contract you know a fun agreement because mine's boring and so legalistic and it doesn't I even was thinking about not thinking about I've actually started doing this where to make sure because I have I have a contract for implementation work but it's a Again, we've talked about my contract, very open-ended. Well, and that's um, like when you say that you think mine's fun, I think yours is like the ultimate, like, gotcha, because once you sign that, you work with you forever. It doesn't say forever. You, it doesn't there's, at all. There's no end date, but there is no date. There's no end date. There's a start date, and there's a simple, hey, give me a 30-day notice. <laughs> it's actually really great for the client, but it's not great for me because it's kind of like I'm actually reevaluating that process just because I'm thinking – Oh, gosh, what if they just decide not to work with me after right. a month or two? Right? Right. But I wanted it to be open because I know I don't like being suckered into things long term. Right. I already talked about that situation with the bank and the merchant services. But there was something I wanted to mention to you was I was thinking about I have a welcome kit that goes out. And the welcome kit covers my schedule and when you'll hear from me and blah, blah, blah. Well, I wonder sometimes if my clients are maybe either skipping it or skimming it. So I am, have been putting it into a type form and making it to where they have oh, to check off. That's you know, smart. Just and then they, I still put a, a copy of it in their folder in Google Drive so that there's always a you know a place where I can reference. Hey, this is in your you know. But I, if they at least check it off, then maybe I'm thinking they've seen it. <laughs> I like ask. your your um, welcome kit over your. I agree. My yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. Your, your you welcome kit was super cute. It was very welcoming. And it sort of gave me, like I said, a feel of your stepping into your business and what I could expect, a quick overview. If, I think I'm going to have you rewrite my agreement for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hire you to write my agreement for me. I love the chicken, the, whatever it was. <laughs> See, but you write the bread. We'll throw in some bread to people who will really be wondering, like, what are we really signing here? <laughs> I just think everything should be fun. And so I think, although my my client agreement is legal and it has been reviewed by um, some legal counsel as well as some business coaches, um, why can't you have a little fun? Why do you have to use all that vernacular that everyone's like, oh, I know. Sticking it out. Right. Well, it's legalese. It's very jargony. It's not bad. It's just. Nope. But at the same time, not fun. And therein lies our action item and our takeaway from this episode when it comes to educating your clients on your process, whether it be through your contract, through your onboarding, through anything, I think that there is something to be said about you don't want to make it silly, but you do want to make it a little bit fun and enticing. Otherwise, you're going to lose them, right? You're going to lose the audience, so to speak. Make it fun, make it light, make it memorable, but also make it you, which it's very easy to do because I don't accept payment in chicken. So what's the one thing you don't do? Maybe you don't work right. on Wednesdays or maybe you, you I, know, one, you like iced coffee and you would prefer to be paid in iced coffee. For example, you never know. Well, they say not to barter, but anyways, you have to share your story about your process when it came to, it was itemized in your contract and it didn't go as well and why you had to kind of reevaluate that. And follow that. I just want to say, follow your own directions. How I said, I do not watch a video over two minutes. Don't put client videos out that are over five minutes if that's against your rule. If you don't read any documents over a page, make anything you're putting out 
under a page. So keep it you, keep it light, and have fun because that's why you're working for yourself. That's my small biz takeaway for this episode in educating clients. And it's not scary. It should be exciting. Mine will be, again, just taking, I'll always, always remember this client and her feedback to me because it was so valuable when it came to our webinar work together. And that is don't take for granted the fact that you do this work every single day and that the person should know the process automatically. They don't. So you have to kind of approach every client as a baby and a newbie to the process. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Fresh Take podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Share your stories. How are you educating your clients? Is it infused in your work, in your onboarding process? Is it actually a part of your contract and your agreements? Do you have a welcome kit? Do you not? I want to hear it all. We want to hear it all. And we want you to, of course, share those by commenting below on the webpage of our website, thefreshtakepodcast.com. And of course, if you are so inclined to share a review on iTunes, we'd love for you to do that as well. We thank you so much for listening. And until next time, ciao bella. <laughs> Bye. In Thanks for listening to the Fresh Take Podcast, small biz talk for big action takers. Be sure to join in the Fresh Take community by visiting thefreshtakepodcast.com. Join the conversation in our Facebook group, add your comments on our episodes, and grab resources mentioned during the show.